Happy New Year. If you're listening to when this episode is released, it is New Year in the United States, uh, January 1st, 2024. And as I'm recording this, I am recording this on December 28th, just a few short days before um, our new to the show. Welcome. If not, welcome back. This is going to be episode 355. I can't believe we are inching closer to 400. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of goals and how my goal setting has evolved over the last 15 years, some of the processes that I use to hit them, and uh, just just different techniques I've learned along the way, different books I've read uh, on the subject of, of goal setting, and more importantly, how to make sure you're hitting those goals. Um, really quick, though, some some pod news, some you know news about this podcast is as we're wrapping up another year and we're heading, or we're now in 2024, I guess, thinking in the future, um, this is the year we break 400 episodes, which is absolutely surreal. Um, it's been a team effort. And I every year on the pod, I've, I've done this where we, we kind of take a look back, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we look back at what the show has accomplished and you know any changes that you can expect. And, and this year, um, this year we're going to continue. Uh, we're going to continue this episode a week, and we're we're going to have two, um, which I think are uh, fairly big changes on the show. And I, I just want to, you know, brace everybody on the show for this so that um, it's not a an unpleasant surprise. But um, one of them is uh, I'm I'm hoping both of these are going to be very welcome uh, additions to the show. Um, one of these additions is again, pushing 400 episodes. And this show has been a passion project of, of mine. So like versus treating it like a business and a recent coach that I had uh, really hammered home the fact to me that there's nothing wrong with passion projects. And it definitely scratches my itch of content creation. I, I, I love it. I, I don't see myself ever stopping uh, recording these podcasts. However, there does need to be some sort of economic engine that fuels your content creation so that you can continue creating the absolute best types of content, e- even in the tough times. So one of the things we're going to do differently on the show is I'm, you're going to hear some ad spots. And this was a really hard one for me. I discussed this a lot with knowing me in the past. And as a consumer of podcasts, I really have mixed feelings um, as to the ads that were on the show. So stewing around on this for two years, what, what I've come up with is um, I'm not okay with just connecting some ad platform that's going to send you and serve you up random commercials to where, you know, while you're listening to the Wizards of Ecom podcast, all of a sudden there's a commercial about Lexus or something on there. So that's that's a hard pass, hard no. Um, what, what I am good with and with the technology that's available to date is, which they call stitching, by the way, I, what I am okay with is the insertion of ads that are of services, products, um, things that I use and enjoy and that are helping me um, hit some some high goals or break through some barriers and inserting those into the show, that is something that I feel is the happy medium between the two. So don't expect this in the next few weeks, but I would say by around March, or unless you're listening to this, you know, past March, you're already listening to it. But I'd say come March by the latest, you'll notice that there'll probably be like a pre-roll, mid-roll, and a post-roll for those of you that stick around to the end to hear the book. So uh, be expecting that. 
And I, I would love your feedback on it. I, I 100% would love to hear the feedback you have on, on what, how that impacts your consumption of the show and what you think of the people that are, um, you know, the services, the sponsors, the, the offers that you do here as an ad. So the second thing that we're going to be doing uh, new on the show, and this is more of a bringing it back, is we're going to bring back the inclusion of these podcast episodes on YouTube. So they're not going to be, we're not going live stream. So these podcasts are still going to happen the way they are. They're recorded, they're produced, and then they're released. And they're, you, li- you listen to them where you, they're released now, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And previously, when the show first started, we we would just grab the video files of you know myself and a guest or Noemi and a guest or Noemi and I, and we would just plop that on YouTube. So YouTube really doesn't work well like that. But still, um, I didn't think anyone was interested in consuming the podcast that way. And when we stopped placing them there, I got a lot of people reaching out that they'd love to see it back. YouTube's very tricky when it comes to um, how you produce a video though and put it up there. So we held off for like the last two years now, two and a half years, so that so that we could get the videos that go up there right. And these videos are going to be a lot more produced. There's going to be some content on the YouTube version of the podcast that may not even make the cut on the audio and vice versa. So, you know, there's going to be B-roll. It's going to be like a heavily produced show on YouTube. So for those of you that want to watch the watch and listen to the podcast and you feel like catching that body language portion of things, or you you've seen me speak somewhere in person, or you remember the meetup and, and seeing that body language, you know, adds that extra level of quality for you or, or impact. Um, be expecting in the second half of the year that or, or sooner, but be expecting at the latest by the second half of the year that these podcast episodes will go back on YouTube. Okay. So enough, enough pod news. We're, we're, we're already like five minutes in and we haven't got to the meat and potatoes. Um, really before diving into the goals, I, I want to touch on one other thing that has to do with goal setting. Um, and it's a commonly accepted truth about writing down your goals. And I'm going to share this with you because it's something that I used to repeat to everyone that I knew about the importance of goal setting, especially writing down your goals. And uh, maybe the next time you hear it said, and more than likely when I, when, I re- when I tell you this or I read a portion of it to you, you're going to be like, yeah, 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 that's true. I've already heard this. Well, it's, it's commonly accepted. It's been quoted in books. You hear it on TV, but it's just not true. Um, true in the sense that the study never happened. So it, the study goes like this. That in 1953, Harvard conducted a study on goal setting, which how it went was, a class of Harvard MBA students were asked about whether or not they had goals and their responses were broke down like this. And, and, and I'm looking at, I don't have this in memory right now. So I'm like looking at this on my screen as I'm recording this and it's a uh, 3% said they had clear and written goals. So these were goals in their head. 13% had goals. They just had not written them down. And 84% of the class did not have goals at all. So 10 years later, this study um, discovers that the 13% who had non-written goals earned on average twice as much as the 84% who did not have goals at all. The 3% who had written goals outperformed everyone altogether by earning 10 times as much as all of the other 
5% combined. So this, um, uh, somebody named Mike Morrison actually uh, conducted a study and found that this is actually uh, 100% false. Not that not that not writing your not that writing your goals down is not that impactful. There just was never any Harvard study. So it's a pretty cool thing if you want to do some research on it. And I've definitely repeated it a, a, a lot. Even a close friend of mine recently uh, repeated it. But um, just just something so you can uh, have a good conversation starter at the table as it pertains to um, to ads and goal setting. So okay, enough about that. Um, the 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 first time i went about and actually was like setting goals my goal was very simple it was just to be able to eat pay my bills um not default on any credit cards any loans um, and then, then it evolved into, you know, as I'm going through Publix, which is a local supermarket to me, that I wouldn't have to round up the food every time I put it in the cart. So I wouldn't be embarrassed when I went to the register and, you know, I didn't have enough money and had to put stuff back. So, so that's how it went. So like, that was my first goal. And that's just being real on, on where I started. Then I got to a point where I was like, well, I hear all this goal setting stuff. Let me just think of the goals that I want for the year and have them in my head. And those usually happen right around, you know, the 28th, like December 28th, like when I'm recording this, like right at the end of the year. And they usually, I usually could have repeated them back to you by about the first week of January, but by the second month of the year, they were gone. Then years later, I started writing them down. This was huge the act of writing them down, even though there was not a Harvard case study on it, but the act of writing them down had a massive impact in the sense that I wrote them down and I could go back to that thing that I had written down. If I ever was unsure about something or needed to reset a goal or I hit a goal or just wondering, Hey, let me get back on track. I I had something I could go back to. Um, Then the the written goals took me a long way. And, And then I reached a spot where my goals were now three-year goals. So it was more like thinking, where do I want to be in three years? And then I was thinking of like, okay, this was actually very tricky for me. I, I found that I was more, like I found like setting these three-year and five-year, five years was just too much for me. Like I, it's very difficult for me to think in five years just because things change so rapidly, even, even three years. But three years seems to be the sweet spot for me. If five works for you, go for it. But when I was writing down my goals and I was writing them down for the year, the, I wound up finding them a lot more attainable um, versus when I just switched and started thinking them in three years because I missed one crucial step, which is what I added next. And that is something I learned from a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. And it's something called rocks. So whether it's a one-year or a three-year goal, Rocks are sort of the stepping stones or the things that you need to do before on your way to hitting your goal. So give you an easy one right now. I just, I just ran a 5k. So at the beginning of this year, I was 365 pounds and two years ago, actually, I wanted to run a 5k in November and that was just my goal. That was it. 
I didn't apply this rocks strategy towards this because I was like, oh, that's something just for business. But this just, just applies to all your goal setting across the board. And sure enough, what happened is I got close to the 5K. I was 370 pounds, way too heavy to even attempt it a month out. And I was just like, I was super, I was super depressed about it that I didn't hit my goal. And I was like, man, what is this? You know, I'm a, I'm a goal setter. I hit my goals. What's going on? And I realized I, I didn't set a plan. And because, you know, it was September, October, when I realized I was a month away, I, I didn't hit any of my rocks along the way. So I immediately reconfigured that and now set different rocks, which consisted of, okay, if I want to do a 5k in one year and for me to do that, I need to be at, you know, roughly, you know, 310 pounds, 300 pounds max, I need to lose X. So to lose X between these next 12 months, I just divided it by 12 and then I divided it by weeks and I divided it by days. I always know if I am on track to hitting my goal in that sense. The other one was mileage. I need to build up my mileage. So instead of looking at this, like, oh my God, I want to run a 5k in a year. Okay. Next week I run half a mile. No, next week I just walk for five minutes and I can build out this plan. And, and, you know, I'm going to walk for five minutes on week one, week two will be five minutes, week three, then I'll start throwing in some, some light jogging. And I have this buildup. Those are rocks and you just set them in your business the same way. Um, after rocks. So we've covered like goals existed in my head. You know, goals were survival. Then goals existed in my head. Then they were written. Then I had three year goals, which was hard. Then I had three year goals with rocks. The next thing I added was, and I was reading a lot of books at the time on this, like setting smart goals, like something with a, with an end date in mind. Um, I started setting quarterly evaluations on the personal and professional side. So I put it in my calendar, which I, I live out of my calendar, so it works better for me, but I put it on my calendar and I was just like, okay, in March, I have a meeting with myself and it is, and if it's on the personal side, it's with myself. If it's you know, if it's with my wife and it's because, you know, one of our goals is maybe to date more or to do X, go on X vacations, that meeting will be with her. But I have these meetings. It's usually like four meetings uh, across the board for my goals. And it's like, are we on track? And if not, why? Sometimes we're way ahead. Sometimes we're behind, but like, okay, what do we have to do to still hit our goal? Like, what do we need to change at the rocks level? And as I started applying this in some of my different businesses, um, one of them is the Bluebird business or, or with the meetups, um, I realized that the quarterly evals were not that effective. And, and it was because waiting three months to find that you are way behind on something or hadn't even gotten something started sometimes can make that goal completely unattainable now, especially if you were very aggressive with a specific goal. So my, the final iteration for me is now I do have a three-year goal, which by the way, um, phenomenal book called three hag, which is the number three H a G, which stands for three year, highly achievable goal that had a really big impact for me. Um, but I have my three hag and then I have six, then I set my rocks. Like what are the things I need to do? on each of these things to hit this in three years. Like what are all the micro steps that I need to take between now and then? And, and then I have six week evaluation. So in these six weeks we look at, okay, what are the goals we need to set over the next six weeks to make sure that we're on target to hit that three year goal? Um, I know that's a lot, but if you were 
to listen to this and then just say, okay, I know the year has passed. There's nothing, you don't have to do it in December. Like, don't worry about that. But like wherever you are, you know, whenever you're listening to this, just say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to do my goals over the next 12 months, you know? Um, And I'm going to set a three-year goal and then I'm going to look at what all the micro steps are. Sorry, you're not going to set a goal for 12 months. You're going to first set your three-year goal on where you want to be. Then you're going to set what are all the steps you need to do to reach that across the next 36 months um, and start breaking down all those micro steps. If you started doing that there, you'd be ahead of, I would say, 99% of your competition. Two other uh, really important pieces to this that have helped me a ton. Um, uh, One of them is called business journaling. It's not a diary. That's a... (laughs) That's a inside joke, you know, um, that I have with some of my friends. They, they'll joke around and say, are you doing your diary? But it's my business journaling. The only time I am not doing business journaling is maybe if I forgot to bring it when I'm traveling or yeah, if I, if I just don't have it with me, but, um, business journaling is huge. I've had several different, uh, styles of business journaling that I've done over the years. I think it was 2019, 2020. I think it was no 2018, 2019, a friend of mine in the Wizards of Ecom community recommended the High Performance Planner by Brendan Bouchard. And I use that one religiously to this day. It's, it's, it's right beside me. Um, and it is phenomenal. And the reason I bring it up in the sense of goals is with the High Performance Planner, you know, you have this morning mindset, the message to yourself, but it's today's top three goals or priorities. Like that's a very prominent section in the journal for you to fill out. And every single day they have the, uh, a section, which is the big projects I have to keep in mind that I want to take on, even if I can't act toward them today. Cause you know, li- life gets in the way sometimes and it's good to write down what those things are on those days that you can't hit it. So you don't lose sight of the goal. So I can't recommend it enough. You can get it on Amazon, but it's the High Performance Planner by Brendan Bouchard. And the second piece that I bring with me is, um, and, and this I do digitally now, so like I use a, a Google Doc, but is I keep a decision journal. And you can read about these by Daniel Kahneman. And what this is, is like as we, if, if you're just starting off in your business, like I think this is a good habit to have, but it's not, uh, it's not priority. It's not priority level one. But what this does is like when you're first in your business and you're shipping stuff, you're probably shipping the products out and touching the products or that's, it's very clear to see if you're getting enough work done. If you're receiving a hundred orders a day and you're only shipping out 30, you're not like you're, you're, it's clearly behind and that's where you need to be putting your emphasis. But as you start growing a team and scaling your business, you, your product, your output that you're responsible for, responsible for the quality on is your decisions and keeping track of these decisions since you don't have a boss that can do this and, you know, and, and like call you into a meeting and um, get you back in line. Um, I like to record all of my decisions. So I'll have the, I give the decision a name, which again, the act of writing this out really helps me. Sometimes I'll go to write it out and I'm like, I can't even think of the title of this. Like what, what is this thing? And then I just, I realize this is not even that important. And then I just don't do it. But you know, that forcing myself to write it out brings that to the surface. So it's the, the name of the decision that I'm going to make, the reason why I'm making it, the expected outcome, my state of mind at the time of making it, and the date at which I 
expect to see the result. And those are all really important steps that are outlined by Daniel Kahneman. Um, if you just Google decision journal with Daniel Kahneman, you'll get it. And the reason for that is like, I'll go back and look at it and say, oh, you know, I was having cash flow issues. That was my state of mind at the time. And this didn't go as I should. And as I have like 30 decisions to look at, I can be like, wow, every single time I made a decision while cash flow was a concern of mine, it ended really bad. That lets me know moving forward, hey, next time I'm going to make a decision and I'm having cash flow issues, I need to get somebody else involved that get an extra set of eyes on this who can make a better decision in this state than I am. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for sticking with me through another year of the Wizards of Ecom podcast. I'm extraordinarily stoked to kick off 2024 with you. And I will talk to you again.